We're happy that you're joining us. We are in part three of a series called Unhurried. And what we are talking about, as the name implies, is that why it is so important for us to live an unhurried, slow down life. And as soon as I say unhurried, and as soon as I say slow down, I don't need to convince anybody to come and listen to this message because all of us, from the first time I said, we're gonna talk about unhurried, everyone said, that's what I need. I don't know what we're gonna talk about, but I know I need that. Because I know the pace of life, and I know it's too much, and I know I can't keep up, and I know I'm always hurried, 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 hurried. And what we've been looking at in the past couple weeks is about how to slow down, and we're basing it on four practices from the life of Jesus. Because as I said last week and the week before, is that there's no one else who has been busier in this world than Jesus was, but yet despite that, we never once saw him hurried, we never once saw him in a rush, we never once saw him stressed out, we never once saw St. Mary come to him or one of the apostles and be like, ah, not now, it's just a, it's a bad day. Okay, all the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, <clears throat> all the stuff that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, we never saw Jesus do any of that stuff because he found a way to despite all the chaos and all the confusion and all the busyness and all the stuff that he had to do, he found a way to find rest. He found a way to be filled with peace. He found a way to be full of joy and love and all the things that we say that we want, but sometimes we don't know where we can find. And then we find this beautiful verse right here in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. After we see Jesus finding all those things, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he invites us to do the same. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, busiest guy ever, found a way to find rest. And then he comes and invites us. He says, you're tired? You're burdened? You're heavy labored? Heavy laden? You got stuff? Well, let me show you how I lived my life. And that's the key to this series, is that the life of Jesus is based on the lifestyle of Jesus. And so many times we want the life, the fruit, the outcome, but it doesn't happen unless we put in the work and the practices and the habits. And that's what this series is all about is discovering how we can find what Jesus found, the life of Jesus, by walking through the habits that Jesus walked through. And that's what he means when he says, take my yoke upon you. That's what he means there. He says, do what I did. Live the way I live. The way you see me go about my day, you go about your day the same way. And these four practices, okay, think of them as speed bumps. You know, this happened recently in my neighborhood. The, the street coming out of my neighborhood, it's like this long, hilly street, and... There was no speed bumps on it, so people used to go kind of fast. And then they sent out this survey because the kids, there's a lot of kids and playing, and I'd always be like, it's dangerous on the street. It's dangerous. They should do something. But then they put out a survey saying, who wants speed bumps on this road? So I'm like conflicted because I'm like, for the kids' sake, it should have speed bumps. But for my sake, I'm like, so I, against my better judgment, I voted yes for the speed bumps and we got the speed bumps. What I did is I go around the other way now. So I go a longer way around to avoid the speed bumps. And that's kind of what we do in life, okay? That God gives us speed bumps and he tells us these are the things to do and these speed bumps get us to drive a normal pace. But what we do, because we want to rush, we're willing to go all the way around, willing to do stuff that's against our, our best interest because we don't want to slow down. Well, in this series, what I'm challenging you is to slow down unhurried life. Last week was practice number one. Who remembers what it was? Silence and solitude. Very good. Not the most enthusiastic response, but that's okay. My guess is you were all taking your time and answering, okay? <laughs> but then someone was in a rush, okay? But, so silence and solitude. We talked about every single day taking a step back 
and filling myself every day. Today we're going to get into the second practice. And this is the one that I'll bet you, I'll bet you as soon as I talk about it, this is going to be a game changer for us if we can actually do this. Because what we're going to talk about is not something that we practice every day, but something we practice once a week. And this practice, not only Jesus practiced it, but the command was given to us much, much, much even before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. You guys know the Ten Commandments? Well, up on the screen right there is the Ten Commandments in summary format, okay? Not the exact words, just want to get it all there on one screen. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, okay, you'll see, first one says, worship only one God. Second, don't make any idols. Third, don't dishonor God's name. Four, we'll come back to it. Honor your parents, don't murder, don't adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet the things that are yours. Now you look at this, and the one I'm going to show you is what we're going to talk about today, which I believe is the most broken of all the commandments that no one has ever once confessed to me, this, this, this one that we're going to talk about, but we'll get to that in a second. If you look at these commandments, you would agree that every one of them is kind of a big deal. Like there are no minor sins up here. Like, you wouldn't be okay breaking any one of these sins. You would know that if you did it, it's probably something bad. Like, no one's like, oh, you know, I might worship an idol today, maybe tomorrow. You know, I'm thinking of adding another god to my repertoire. No, no one thinks that way. Like, no one thinks to themselves, like, murder, okay, not today. You don't think that. Because every one of these that's up there on the screen is a big deal. It made it into God's top 10. If you break one, you're in trouble. In fact, there's three or four of them. If you break it, you're probably going to jail. But there's one of them that's an exception to that rule. There's one that we all know that we look at and we break it all the time. And not just we break it, we brag about breaking it. You know what that one is, right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, even the cattle, nor your stranger, nor who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. That command... Like, do not murder is four words. Do not murder. Three words. Yeah, three words. And then do not lie. Those are three words. One verse, three words. This is four verses, and I didn't count the number of words, but if you put it all, if you put the Ten Commandments into a pie chart, this command would occupy one-third of the space in that pie chart. And this is the one command that nobody ever confesses, that nobody ever feels like, oh, the Sabbath. I'm... No one ever does that. And in fact, we do the opposite. It's a badge of honor. Haven't had a day off in three weeks. Haven't had a day off in months. Haven't taken a vacation in years. And we take it as like a proud thing. Can you imagine with any one of the other commandments doing that? Yeah, you won't believe how many lies I told this year. Woo! It's just been one of those years. You wouldn't look at it and say, the last time I honored my parents hasn't been since eighth grade. Look at me. Time flies. Eighth grade was the last time I did something nice for my parents. You wouldn't do that. But with this one, we're proud. We hold it as, as, as a badge of honor. And what we're doing is disobeying what God asks us to do. You wouldn't be okay with breaking any of the other commandments. And my goal today in the next 20, 30 minutes is to try to convince you not to be okay with breaking the Sabbath commandment either because it is one of God's top 10. 
Let's try to get under, first start with the definition. What does the word Sabbath mean? The word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat, which means literally to stop. Shabbat means to stop. So the Sabbath, okay, we're going to talk about a little bit like what we should do and how we should spend it. But the most important thing about the Sabbath is not what you do, but what you don't do. It's not a matter of you have to do this, this, and this. It's a matter of you have to stop. Stop what? Stop working. Stop running. Stop texting. Stop emailing. Stop touching up the presentation for Monday. Stop running from event to event to event to event. Stop filling your calendar. Stop trying to get all your errands done. Just stop, stop, stop. And as soon as I say that, you say to yourself, Father Anthony, that's what I want, but I, I can't. I can't, I don't want, I don't want that. I wish, I wish, I wish I could stop, but I can't, I'm behind, I gotta get caught up, trying to get ahead, I just can't, there's just too much. I got kids, I got uh, commitments, uh, the boss is on my back. Every one of us would say, I want that, but I can't. And that's what I wanna push back on here today. I wanna push back on that idea that you have no choice, because I believe you do have a choice. And I believe that every single one of us chooses. You're as busy as you choose to be. We don't like to accept it that way. But that's the fact of the matter, is that you and I are as busy as we choose to be. And I believe that while we choose to be busy, we're choosing against our own best interests. That trying to get ahead, that trying to be successful, that trying to have it all, that we're actually working against ourselves. And I believe there's a better way. And that better way is this. It's six days of working, one day of resting. Six days of working on whatever it is that you want, on the family, on the getting ahead, on the what, like six days of working, and then one day of resting. And just like there's another principle, like the principle of tithing. The principle of tithing, the same principle applies here. That what you, when tithing, we say that when we give God 10%, he'll do more with 90 than we would with 100. I believe the same is true here. You give God one day, and I believe that you can find more in the other six days than you could find in the seven. Greater success. You will accomplish more. You will find more success in the things that you are looking for when you take six days with blessing of God versus seven days without the blessing of God. Because our key thought here for today is this, is that the Sabbath, <clears throat> Sabbath is the best gift that you aren't opening every week. Sabbath is the best gift that you aren't opening every week. Forget about the idea of Sabbath as a command. No command. Sabbath is a gift that every single day, God gives it to you. Here we go. We got a runner. Here we go. Good job. She caught her. That's why moms don't wear heels to church most often, okay? You never know when yours are going to take off. Sabbath. Stop thinking about it as a command. It's not something that God needs for us to do. It's a gift that every single week, he gives it to us. And unfortunately for most of us, we leave that present under the Christmas tree. We never open it. Let's see where Jesus talked about Sabbath. The most famous verse Jesus said about Sabbath comes from Mark chapter 2. Let me give you the context of it before I show you the verse. It's the Saturday afternoon. Let's call it a lazy Saturday afternoon in Judea. And Jesus with his disciples are just strolling through the cornfield because it's a Sabbath day and it's nice weather. So they are, they're strolling through. And as they're strolling through, they get hungry and they pick some of the stuff or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, who shows up on the scene? The Pharisees. 
And the Pharisees in the New Testament are like the hall monitors. Okay, they're the guys who are sitting there and just waiting for someone to walk outside of class without a hall pass, and they like to get people in trouble. So Jesus runs into these Pharisees, and he says to them this. They give him a hard time, and he says, look, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, there's two parts to that verse, the first half and then the second half. The second half is what we usually focus on. That man was not made for the Sabbath. And the, 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 disciple, the, the people who heard Jesus in the first century, his first century audience, who were listening to this, they needed to hear that man was not made for the Sabbath. They needed to know that we're not viewing anything in a legalistic way. But we in the, first, in the 21st century, we need the first half of the verse. Because we're not legalistic about the Sabbath. We flat out ignore the Sabbath. So I want, to, I want to not focus on the second half of this verse. I want to focus on the first half, which is exactly this. That Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath was a gift. Then it was. It is a gift. It's a God saying, I made this for you. And every week, every seven days, I give it to you. I offer it to you. I made this specifically for you. This not for me. I don't need anything from you. You're not Sabbathing for me. I made it for you. That's why if you think about it, the Sabbath of all the commands God gave us, isn't it a weird commandment to rest? Like command, like turn the other cheek, something we don't want to do, but like it's good for us. You should pray. You should give. You should help old people across the street. You should rest. Okay. <laughs> like commanding rest is like commanding ice cream. You should eat ice cream. You should take a bubble bath. You should go to the beach. Like, it's a weird thing. But why does God command it? Because God knows that inside me and you, there's this thing inside of us that always wants more, always wants more, always pushing for more, more success, more accomplishment, more events, more activities, more, 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 more. And there's something inside of us that is constantly driving us that tells us that more is better than less. Fast is better than slow. That if our, our, our calendar has this much, if we can add one more event, it's really going to make the weekend the best it can be. That's something inside of us. So what God said, because you don't know what's best for yourself, I'm going to command you to do something. And you're going to say to yourself, this is easy. This is the best command. But I promise you, this is the one that you're going to struggle with. The murder one, you know inherently it's wrong. The lying one, you know it's wrong. The other gods, doesn't make any sense. But this is the one that you are going to be tempted to push back against in the name of being more successful and doing more out of life. And in fact, this command, Jesus spoke about it here. He practiced it. But we just saw that Moses spoke about it much earlier. But you know, even it, th this command of the Sabbath goes even before Moses. Go back to the very, very, very beginning. Go to the creation story. Go to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. It says this. It says, on the seventh day, after God created everything, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he, say it with me, he rested. I want to hear everyone say I want to hear it in Leesburg, say it as well. He rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Again, he rested. God rested. But Father Anthony, I'm busy. I got a lot on my plate. It's a busy season. Okay, 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 but wait, wait, shh. God rested. But I, I'm an extrovert. I need to always be around people. I need to always be doing stuff. I just can't sit still. Okay, 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 okay. But God rested. I got kids. 
They got diapers. They got play dates. They got taekwondo and soccer and, and play dates and, and gyms that they have to work out so they can get to bigger gyms or whatever it may be. Okay, 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 okay. I get all that. I get you're busy. I get you got a lot. I get you're an important person. But God rested. When God created the universe, he set a rhythm for life. And that rhythm is six on, one off. Six on, one off. That's the DNA of the entire universe. God, six on, one off. Humanity, six on, one off. Even nature. Do you know that one of the commands in the Old Testament that God spoke about was the land? Okay, anyone who's in agriculture will get this. That the land doesn't work year round. It can't, it can't, it just can't. You can't just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So what God said is every seven years, leave it alone. Every seven years, give it a break. You can't keep pushing the soil. You can't keep pushing, you can't keep pushing, you can't keep pushing. And the same thing applies to me and you. And here's the scary part, and I'm just gonna say this, this is the only scary part after that, I'm gonna go to the good part, because you know I like to be on the positive, but I gotta say the honest, and I gotta say the truth. When it comes to the laws of God, they're like the laws of science. Or I should say the other way, laws of science are the laws of God. You can't break the laws of God. They break you. So you can't break gravity. Gravity breaks you. You can't break the Sabbath. Sabbath breaks you. And that's why I want to say it this way. And again, I'm going to get to the positive and on the fun part, but I just got to throw this out there. If you choose not to take a sap, let me say it better. Everyone will Sabbath and everyone will rest. But for some of us, it might be against our will. Because we didn't do it voluntarily, there's going to come a point where the doctors say, you're going to take a Sabbath now. You're going to stop. Everyone will Sabbath. Everyone will slow down. Everyone will have to stop. Some of us, the smart ones, do it before we have to. Do it by voluntary. But I'm telling you, that crash, that breakdown, emotionally, physically, relationally, and of course the worst of all, spiritually, it's inevitable if we think we can break the laws of God and survive. And in case you don't believe me, we're going to go with some data. I'm data-driven, okay? If you like data, I'm going to give you some data. The last time a society tried to buck the idea of a seventh day of rest, the French Revolution in the late 18th century. I know we got some French people right here, so we're going to talk about how the French thought that they could, they could kind of stick their nose up right up at God. And they tried to come up with the idea to increase productivity a 10-day work week. So they didn't want seven-day work week, which is the, the day off. They wanted a 10-day work week. They thought they could increase productivity and be a, a more productive nation. The end result? A disaster. Everything collapsed. The economy crashed. Suicide skyrocketed. And productivity in a 10-day work week actually fell. They were less productive in 10 than they were in 7. And this is not just the French Revolution. You can find study after study that will tell you that contrary to popular belief, there is zero correlation between working more and productivity. There is zero correlation between working more and being more productive. And in case you don't believe me, I'm going to get you an article right here from CNBC that talks about research that was done. It says this. It says, research that attempts to quantify the relationship between hours worked and productivity found that employee output falls sharply after a 50-hour work week. 
and falls off, to, falls off a cliff after 55 hours. Okay, you remember 50 hours? What you accomplished by Thursday, okay? By Thursday, you got to 50 and you're still pushing towards 70, okay? It says the productivity falls after 50 and goes into the toilet after 55. It goes on. So much so that someone who puts in 70 hours produces nothing more with those extra 15 hours. Ain't that the story of our life? Ain't that the story of our life? Is that those extra 15 hours didn't accomplish anything except make me like a crazy person and make me hate everyone and everyone hate me. That's the story of our life, that there's no correlation. Obviously, if you can't say I work zero, obviously, okay, we're not, but that, I'm not worried about that. There's no correlation between putting in more and, and burning the candle at both ends between productivity and, it, and, and our hours. And the lesson learned there is very simple. When you fight the rhythm of life, you fight God and you will lose. Just in case you didn't know how the outcome that was going to go. When you fight the rhythm that God programmed, God set the earth up. He programmed the DNA. He set it to work this way. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. And when you say no, and you thumb your nose at God, you fight. You lose. Because there are no shortcuts around the laws of God. And I don't even need to really prove this to you because you just look in the mirror and you see it. We're the most overworked. We're the most overworked, yet physically exhausted, mentally worn out, and spiritually depleted. And we continue to work ourselves and work ourselves and work ourselves, and we continue to see our physical bodies breaking down. We continue to see our mental health being worn out, and we continue to see our spirits being depleted and malnourished, which is the opposite of the life that Jesus lived and that Jesus promised. Said another way, when you go against God's way, you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. You go against the grain of the universe, you go against the rhythm that God sent, you will get splinters when all is said and done. So, now, let's turn our attention to what does the command exactly mean and how do I practice it? Hopefully by now I've convinced you that the need is there, but what am I supposed to do? What was my, what am I, what am I supposed to do for 24 hours? And, and, and what's supposed to set the picture for me? So first we'll go high level. Okay. What the Sabbath is and what should kind of direct our day. And then I'll get you more specifics by the end on how to actually practice it. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter two, and we're going to see two things about the Sabbath that God said. Okay, Genesis 2, 3 says that God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all the work which God had created and made. So God did two things. He blessed and he sanctified. He did what? He blessed and he sanctified. Again, he blessed and he sanctified. The seventh day, the Sabbath day, is the day that God blessed and a, God's, a day that God sanctified. First, let's start with blessed. What does blessed mean to you? I say the word blessed. One of those words that is just like, yeah, we want God to bless this, bless that. But if you look and see in creation, what did God actually bless? There's three things that were blessed in the book of Genesis. The first, Genesis 1.22, God blessed the animals. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. The second, God blessed humans and said to them again, be fruitful and multiply. The third time we see the word blessed in the creation story, is verse, chapter 2, verse 3, that God blessed the seventh day. So wait a minute. God blessed the animals means what? 
means he wants them to be fruitful and multiply, to expand. It means that there's a power in the animals to procreate and create life. Same thing with the humans. And did you know that the same is true about the seventh day? That the seventh day has a life-giving capacity to it. That the seventh day is made to give life and to bring more life to those who practice it. And again, this is not something that, that's hard for us to figure out because after working an entire work week, no matter what your job, okay, I love my job more than anyone else on the planet. I wouldn't trade with anyone, even if they took away their salary. This is the best job. But by the end of the week, I'm worn out. And so are you. No matter how much you love your job, you're worn out. Physically, emotionally, like we're worn out. What the Sabbath is supposed to be is a day that fills us with life, that replenishes us and gets us back so that we're ready to continue on after that. And again, let's go data. I'll give you proof. Can anyone think, we're going to go numbers right now, but we're going to go into the field of business. Can anyone think of a business, a company, a large successful company that practices the Sabbath? Chick-fil-A. Chick Everybody's favorite is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Let's talk a little bit about Chick-fil-A. In case you don't know what Chick-fil-A is, in case you live under a rock, okay? Chick-fil-A is the greatest fast food restaurant on the planet, but it's got one thing that everybody hates, which is it closed on Sundays. And every time, the only day of the week that I ever go out to eat is on Sundays. And every time you're like, let's go Chick-fil-A, let's go Chick-fil-A. And all of us have been there. All of us have been there. You're starving. You pull into the Chick-fil-A and it's Sunday and it's closed. And you are ready to say a bad word, but because it's Sunday, you don't. All of us have been there. Chick-fil-A closes every Sunday. And you ask yourself, why would they do that? Because anyone who's in the restaurant industry would know, okay, this is clear, Sunday is the highest grossing day of the entire week. So you go to Chick-fil-A's website. This is what it says. It says, our founder, Truett Cathy, made the decision to close on Sundays in 1946 when he opened his first restaurant in Hapeville, Georgia. Anyone from Georgia? Very good. Let's move on. <laughs> having worked seven days a week, having worked seven days a week, in restaurants open 24 hours, Truett saw the importance of closing on Sundays so that he and his employees could set aside one day to rest and worship if they choose a practice we uphold today. This is what it says on their website. They close so that employees, managers, high level, low level, that everyone would have one day to what? Rest and worship. And it goes on. Most Chick-fil-A restaurants operate between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., Monday through Saturday, which breakfast served 6 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. I figure we're going to talk about it. We might as well give them a plug right here. And lunch and dinner served from 10 to 12.30, whatever it may be. Some check your location with your local Chick-fil-A restaurant, okay? Who knows? Maybe we'll get a sponsorship deal, okay, at some point, okay? This sermon was brought to you by, okay? So here's my question to you. Data, not opinion. Data. My opinion is their sandwiches are good, but who cares about that? Let's go data. What is going to be the impact of closing your doors on the most profitable sales day of the week? Anyone in the restaurant business knows. Sunday afternoon, that's when people go out to eat. It's the highest grossing day of the week by far. So what is going to happen when you take off and you close your doors, you close your business on the highest grossing sales day of the week? For sure, they're going to lose. They're going to have a loss, correct? Let's go numbers. Numbers don't lie. What's up here on the screen? Fast food average sales per store over the course of the year. This is 2020 numbers. 
you already know it's gonna be one, okay? Because it would be very anticlimactic if it wasn't, okay? <laughs> but what I want you to see, this is average sales per store. Okay, so this is not total because obviously McDonald's has a lot more than anyone else, but average sales per store. Chick-fil-A is gonna be number one. But my question for you, to think about, how much do you think it is by number one? You see you got 2.9, 3.1, and then 3.9. How much is Chick-fil-A gonna be number one by? You ready? That's numbers. That's numbers. That's not made up. By more than a million dollars per year, by more than a million dollars per year, a store that works only six days of the week, not seven, only works six. So you got seven days, I'll work six days. You work six, six how many, oh, 52, that's extra 52 days because 52 weeks of the year. You got an extra 52 days that you're open. I'll take, like, I'll, like we're playing basketball, okay, we'll play to whatever number, you start at 52, I'll start at zero. <laughs> and by the end, not only I beat you, I beat you by a million. How's that possible? I want an answer to this one. I want an answer. How is this possible? How is it possible to close on the seventh day and to be more successful than the others? Easy. Because the Sabbath is blessed. That's what I just told you. It's blessed. You can't describe that any other way than the blessing of God. Sabbath is blessed. I don't, don't ignore this principle, okay? Because what we see up here in numbers and sales and things like that, that's not the point of my message. The point is the principle that if you go against the fabric of life that God created, you will lose. That if you go against the grain of the universe, that you will get splinters. But if you embrace it, God will bless. Again, just like the tithing, that God will do more with the six than you could do with the seven. And I believe the same blessing is available to you. Not just the Chick-fil-A, but I believe it's available to you in your marriage. I believe it's available to you in your career. I believe it's available to you with your health. I believe it's available to you with your relationship with your children or with your parents or with your brothers or with your sister. That God's blessing, when we do things according to his rhythm, will be more than you can do on your own. So that's the first thing is the Sabbath is blessed. The other one, it said the Sabbath, he blessed it and he sanctified it. Okay, so the Sabbath is blessed and the Sabbath is sanctified. Sanctified is another word for holy. The Sabbath is holy. And if you look at the word Sabbath, I told you a minute ago that the word Sabbath means to stop. But sometimes it actually can be translated a slightly different way, which is to delight. To delight. So what that teaches us is the Sabbath is a holy day, a sanctified day, in which we are to delight in God. And it's a day of worship for us. And that's why, again, did you know that if you go to the Ten Commandments, that most of them, Sabbath is one of the few that is punishable by death. You broke the Sabbath, you could be killed. That was the punishment. So if you came to Moses, okay, Moses, and you say, uh, this person uh, stole, what do we do with him? Moses is like, okay, you should give back what you stole. You should pay back a little bit extra. Uh, this person lied. Okay, they should go offer a sacrifice to whatever it may be because they lied. This person broke the Sabbath. Fire up the electric chair. <laughs> That's what he would say. Fire up the electric chair. Get, and you say, well, that seems like a little bit cruel. Okay, let's go with the principle behind that. The principle behind it is this. When you don't take a Sabbath, you're killing yourself. Ignoring the Sabbath leads to death. 
Your death. My death. When you ignore the Sabbath, you're killing yourself. And in case you say, how do you know? Let's go data. National Geographic did a survey several years ago. The, 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 the title was Secrets of Long Life. And they studied groups across the world, different demographics to see who tends to live longer than others. And I don't get into the whole study, but there was one group in America, okay, specifically in America, there was one group that on average had a longer lifespan than other groups religiously, like a religious group that had longer lifespan. Anyone know who it is? Not the Jews. Seventh-day Adventists. You know Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists. I'm not, it's not criticizing, it's not saying, I'm just saying, anytime I've ever met a Seventh-day Adventist, they only care about one thing, which is what? Sabbath. That's their thing. Like, that's their bread and butter. Like, they'll tell you, you know, we agree this and this, but how is it that you people don't take off on the Sabbath? Okay, specifically, we pray on Sundays, they pray on Saturdays. How is it that you people don't, like, that's their thing. They're big on the Sabbath. On average, people who are Seventh-day Adventists live 10 years longer than the average person in this country. On average. Now, I ain't a rocket scientist here, but I did a little bit of math. If the average lifespan is about 70 years, let's say you had 70 years and you took off one out of every seven, how much longer would you have? How much would that be? One out of every seven, you got 70. 10, right? Okay, like 70 times, right? So if I give you, if I, let me say better, okay, okay. Carry the one, okay. <laughs> if I give you 70 years, then I say give me back one out of every seven. How much would that be? 10 years. Seventh-day Adventists who practice this religiously end up on average living 10 years longer than the normal person. What does that say? What that says is there's a rhythm to life. There's a rhythm. I didn't make it up. You didn't make it up. God created it. You can't fight it. It's like fighting against the seasons. You don't want it to be cold, but it's cold. You don't want it to be dark, but it's dark. You can't. That's how God created it. When it's dark, go to sleep. When it's light, get up. That's the rhythm of life. The rhythm of life is six on, one off. Six on, one off. And to go against that rhythm is to go against the nature of this world and to go against God himself. And as we saw right here, maybe it's killing us without even us realizing it. Now, very practical, okay, in the few minutes that we have left together. Practical. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? What do I do for 24 hours? Do I just want to sit there and stare out a window? Do I just have to pray the whole time? Like, what do I do for 24 hours? How do I practice the Sabbath? Well, here's the most important thing with the Sabbath. The most important thing is that we will never be legalistic about it. If there's one area don't be legalistic about, it's the Sabbath. Because that was the very thing that got Jesus killed is that people came and were like, he's practicing something on the Sabbath, kill him. So we will never be that way. We will never take, and some of us, we're listening to this and we're like, yeah, Sabbath, and it's good, and my husband's not gonna do this, and my wife better not do that, and if anyone touches it, don't do that. Don't do that. Because then you're going to the very, very opposite extreme. I'd rather you not practice the Sabbath versus practice it in a legalistic way. Because people who practice it legalistic, it was very, very bad. So we're not gonna be legalistic, and I'm not gonna give you a formula of exactly what to do and what not to do. But let's talk principles about how our day should look. Let me tell you what it should not be, or what it is not, and what it hopefully is. First thing, let's agree Sabbath is not the same as a day off. 
Sabbath is not the same summer. Like, oh, <laughs> I wish. Sabbath is not the same as a day off. Day off means you don't work for your boss. But you're still working. You're still running around. Errands, projects, driving my kids around like, like I'm an Uber. Okay, event after event. Okay, birthday party here, uh, trip to the, the little Johnny's little party or whatever it may be. Okay, and then, and then, and then of course, Costco, a trip to Costco. That's like a whole day. That a day ain't rest. Okay, go to Costco on a Saturday. That ain't not a day of rest. Taking a day off for a lot of us, if we're honest, not going to work actually makes us more tired. Especially the way some of us have government jobs and sit and work from home in our PJs, whatever it may be. Okay, the days off are more work than the days on. So the goal isn't just to stop working for my job and do a million other things. What it should be is a day of rest and a day of worship. A day of rest and a day of worship. And why I put worship on there is because rest is physical, but there's also spiritual rest. Okay, it should be the entire person. What does it look like to spend a day of rest and worship? Again, I'm not going to give you a formula. I'm not going to give you a checklist. I'm not going to tell you do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. Because again, that sounds very much like the people that gave Jesus a very hard time and end up putting him on a cross. So I'm going to give you that list. But what I will say, it has to be a day that's different than every other day. It has to be a day where I stop the working and I worship God. And when I say worship, worship doesn't mean spend a day in prayer. Okay, worship doesn't mean just read the Bible all day long. It means delight myself in the goodness of God and the gifts of God. I got a quote here okay, from a Christian author. He writes it this way. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives without question of thought. It is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex with our spouse, of course, okay? <laughs> sing, and our, only our spouse and nobody else, okay? Have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Sabbath is supposed to be a day. It's not a matter of what's allowed or what's not allowed. It's a matter of the mentality and the mindset. It's the day where I'm gonna rest, and I'm gonna enjoy, and I'm gonna worship God. Okay, and I'll give you some specifics about what that could look like. I'm going to give you four tips right now of how I approach my Sabbath. Okay, and I would encourage you to do it. And again, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's just simply my list. Four tips. We'll go through them quick. Number one, declare your Sabbath day. Start by declaring your Sabbath day. And this could be any day of the week. Okay, we're, again, we're not legalistic about it. So for most of us, though, it'll be either Saturday or Sunday. Okay, and probably most people, you would say Sunday, that's kind of the day. And I would say that's great. Like, it's totally fine. But for me, Sabbath is not Sunday because Sunday's a busy day and it's a work day and it's a day, okay? And, and I know there's a lot of people here who are in this church. Okay, maybe when you first come, you're just kind of, you know, taking it all in. But I know there's a lot of people who work really hard on Sunday, come early and set this stuff up and stay late and take stuff down. So for you, Sunday may not be that day of rest. So then I would encourage you that maybe it's Saturday. Maybe your work schedule could be Friday. Like, again, I don't want to be legalistic about it, but start by making the decision that it is this day. And for me, I tell you, my Sabbath is Saturday. Now, some of you would say, hey, wait a minute. But how can me, like, how can your Sabbath be Saturday, Father Anthony? Because you got work on Saturday night. Like, you got to go to church, and I got meetings, and I got confessions, and I got to stay late. 
Well, I'll tell you how it works. Trip tip number two. Sabbath starts the night before. I've told you all this principle before, but just stick with me here. This is the, one of the most important things. If you want to get change your mindset on time management, change it this way, is that it's not a day and a night, it's a night and a day. The day starts the night before, not the other way around. So when I say Saturday is my Sabbath, the day begins at sunset the day before. Okay, this is actually the way it was in the Jewish tradition. Okay, which is why like during Holy Week, if you think about it, if you're like you've been around during Holy Week, when we are on Tuesday night, we call it the Eve of Wednesday. Okay, and then when you um, think about it, like when we have uh, Vespers, like the Sunday liturgy begins on the night before the readings of Vespers the night before. Think of your day not as midnight to midnight. Think of your day as sunset to sunset, 6 p.m., 5 p.m., like again, doesn't really matter this exact time. Why that makes a difference. If you are making your decision for Friday night, I bet you your decision for Friday night is based on what you have Sunday, Saturday morning. So if someone says, come to my party on Friday night, we're gonna be out late. You're thinking to yourself, okay, Saturday morning is off so I can party on Friday night. But then someone says on Sunday night, you're like, well, I can't because of Monday. So you've already done this. You already connect Friday night to Saturday morning. Like Friday night is more Saturday than it is having anything to do with Friday morning. And you connect Sunday night with Monday morning. It's a work night or a school night because of what's going to happen the next morning. Well, I'm telling you, this is the rhythm of life. And when you are able to embrace this, it'll change the way you approach everything. I view all my days as not midnight to midnight. I view my days as sunset to sunset. So my day kind of ends around three o'clock. Okay, somewhere around there. Okay, four o'clock, somewhere around there. Every single day of the week. And then I shift into the next day. And in case you're wondering, Look at the creation story. It's not just something I'm making up. Genesis 1.5. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. See how God does it? God doesn't say the morning and the evening. The evening and the morning. And all for all the, the seven days of creation, it says it this way. It says that God created this and this and this. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening and the morning, the second day. I'm telling you, it's a game changer when you look at it this way. So you choose your day off. Not based on when you can get 24 hours from midnight to midnight, but you choose your Sabbath. For me, it's Friday night into Saturday afternoon. By the time I hit Saturday around three or four o'clock, I'm gearing up for the work night of Saturday, and then the, which leads into Sunday. My Saturday and my Sunday are connected, and my Friday and my Saturday are connected. Very good, very good. <laughs> That's good. A little boy just ran right across there. Okay, very good. Number three, so we said number one, declare your Sabbath. Number two, start the night before. Number three, minimize phone use, or you want to really embrace it? Minimize phone access. Now again, not legalistic. I'm not saying put the phone and bury it or whatever it is, because what I'm saying is we want to minimize it, but yeah, sometimes things come up. It's okay to have your phone. Okay, don't, 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 don't throw all the, like if you want to throw the phones away and you agree, like that's fine, but don't feel like you have to. Because again, that was the thing with Jesus is that Jesus on the Sabbath, someone needed help and Jesus would help them. He would heal them. And they'd be like, you can't do that. And Jesus is like, look, it's Sabbath. You can do good on the Sabbath. So I'm not saying you have to throw your phone away. Okay, God knows that if me and my wife are hanging out on a Friday night and our kids are out, Okay, I got teenage kids and they're out. I'm keeping my phone next to me just to see in case they need a ride, in case something comes up, in case I need to, you know, bail someone out, like whatever it may be, okay? <laughs> teenage kids. But what I'm saying is as much as you can minimize the use and access of the phone, like there are studies done that says even just the buzz on the phone 
increases heart rate and blood pressure. Just the buzz. So if you can put it away, put it away. If you can put it, okay, what I do is I don't carry it with me. I put it, I leave it in my, again, unless, you know, I know something, but I'll put it over there and I'll check it just in case something, but I won't carry it with me. So as much as you can is going to benefit you. Number four, only do things that are rest and worship. Only do things that are rest and worship. What does that mean? Well, I don't want to tell you because it could be different things for every person. Some of us, like going to church, let's say Sunday is your Sabbath day. Going to church is rest and worship? I would say so. Having dinner with a friend? Yeah, that could be rest and worship. Playing board games with the kids? Exercising? Sure, rest and worship. Doing my taxes? Not rest and not worship. Not saying it's not important, but you got six other days, you figure it out. But that's not how we spend it. Doing my bills? No. Um, uh, uh, painting the garage? Maybe. Good answer. Maybe. Because you know what? That's actually, like me, I'm an active person. I can't just sit there. So one of the things, that, like what I like to spend my Sabbath, okay, I always like to get some exercise play basketball, racquetball, go to gym, whatever it may be. That's, that's, that's how I like that rest for me. And then sometimes I like to do projects around the house with my kids. Okay, so my daughter, one time we said we would paint the, the thing together and that's like, that's restful. But what I'm not saying is like, uh, paint the thing and hurry up and, and build the deck. Like not, if it's rest and it's worship, trip to Costco. <laughs> Only if you're my wife, okay. <laughs> Only if you're my wife, because my wife, like I said, she, her safe, happy place is at Costco, okay? She's a little short, but she got that cart, and she sometimes, and she, okay? Point is, whatever gives you life, whatever you find rest and you find worship in that. For me, like I said, my, my, my Sabbath, I won't say it right now, I said declare, my, mine is Friday night into Saturday. Does that mean I'll never do anything on a Friday night? No, sometimes things come up. Does that mean if you invite me to something on a Saturday, like, no, you can invite me whatever you want. I always say, invite me, but I can say no if I don't want to, okay, or if I can't, if, you know what I mean? So it's not in a legalistic way, but it means that what I try to do, once Friday comes around, try to scale down, get a little bit of rest, spend time with the wife. Now, it used to be the family, but now my kids are always out on Friday nights. Do whatever it may be. Get caught up. And I'm telling you, if you do it right, if you do it right, by the time Saturday evening rolls around, I'm ready. Used to be, okay, I've been a priest for several years now. It used to be, I used to take my day off on Monday. That's what most priests do, is take the day off on Monday. I think that's the worst idea, to be honest. Been a game changer for me to take it off on Saturday. Friday night, Saturday. Because I used to show up at church. I used to, Friday night and Saturday, and by the time I got to Sunday, I was exhausted. And I would like push my way through and push and push and push, but I'm running on fumes. And I just wanna just crash afterwards. Now, when I show up church on Saturday, if I've done the Sabbath right, and I am ready, I am focused. I come to church on Sunday mornings, not dragging. I come to church on Sunday mornings fresh and ready to worship God and ready to have fellowship with all of his fantastic people who are here and to preach his word. And the reason why I do is because I take my Sabbath. And when I don't, I pay the price. And I bet you, you notice the difference when I don't take my Sabbath. You notice the difference. There have been times where I push and push and push, and you notice the difference in me. Some be like, Father Anthony, you seem a little tired. Father Anthony, whatever. I don't, want, I don't ever want to show up on the most important day of my life, which is Sunday, be tired or exhausted because I didn't get my Sabbath. Because the bottom line, and then I'm done, 
You cannot break the principles of God and expect to find the blessing of God. Period. You cannot break the principles of God and expect to find the blessing of God. The principles of God are clear. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. My challenge to you is to make it a part of your life starting this week. Now, Sabbath is not, it's not natural force. So it's going to take time. So you're going to try something this week and then like, it didn't work. It's okay. Be patient. It's unhurried. The series is unhurried. So relax. Okay. So you're going to try and then we're going to tweak it. And then this didn't work and then we're going to tweak it. And it's going to take some time. And then something came up next weekend and something had to happen. That's okay. That's okay. We're not legalistic. We're not the Pharisees. We're not crucifying anyone for doing something on the Sabbath, especially not our own kids or our spouses. Okay. It's okay. But we're going to keep on trying and we're going to keep on practicing because in the end, God, when he gave the Ten Commandments, did not command us to pray, did not command us to read the Bible, did not command us to fast, did not command us to give. None of those spiritual practices, which are all very important, I'm saying we should do them all, none of them were given in the commandments. The one that was given, the anchor of our spiritual lives, the anchor spiritual practice, the anchor, the foundation of it, upon which everything is built, is one day to rest and worship. And that one day, as we said earlier, is the best gift that you aren't opening every week. And my hope and my prayer is that we start to open it. And I promise you, you're going to see some differences in your life. Let's stand together for a prayer. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because you command us to do that which we need. You don't need us to rest, Lord. We're the ones who need it. So I pray that you would help us to adopt this mindset, to stop fighting against the grain of the universe and the law which you have set. Help us to figure out how we can take a Sabbath, how we can make it something that's a staple in our lives, and through that, Lord, find true rest inside you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>